Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to another Disney at Play podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Some of the greatest gems in Disney's theme parks are not so easily seen or known. A term given to these treasures is sleeper attractions. We talk today about what this term means. We share an example from Epcot's Cranium Command and then set sail across the globe to see examples of great sleeper attractions in Disneyland Paris, Hong Kong Disneyland, Shanghai Disney, and Tokyo Disney Resort. You may have never heard about these attractions before, but once you become familiar with them, you may never want to visit these parks without checking them out. So join us for this podcast today. Before we get started, I wanted to just share a couple of, um, of notes to you. For those of you who are looking to embrace more Disney magic in ways that you hadn't thought of before, or for those of you who are looking to perhaps give and find ways of sharing with others, I want to make sure you are aware of um, our new Patreon page, the Wayfinder Society, where we have podcasts, videos, and interactive apps that you can't get anywhere else. In our first two tiers, we have we have four tiers, and the first two, Explore and Discover, we look at some amazing Disney discoveries as we dive into the themes and details of the parks. We're right now in the middle of Pirates of the Caribbean. We've done a big comparison of all of them across the globe. We are going into an in-dive um, on Tokyo Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean and also on the Magic Kingdoms and Caribbean Plaza and all the, the many segments of the version that you can find at Walt Disney World. Uh, before, uh, we also have done some others. We have done this massive review of Pandora um, World of Avatar at Disney's Animal Kingdom and all the attractions there. We have interactive maps and so forth. It's really, it's a pretty cool thing. Um, and those, and, and that's available to even those at the lowest tier. For those in the navigator and adventurer levels, our two higher tiers, we experience what is part of our sister site, Disney at Work um, content. That's where we take best in business ideas from the happiest place on earth and apply them back to your own business. And there we have these interactive Disney at Work online tours. We have been exploring all of Disneyland and, uh, and, the, and, and many different attractions and learning from different stories and experiences and how they relate back to your own business, your own organization. So there is a lot for, you know, most times people just ask folks to come on and make a $5 donation or something and, or, or something better than that and, and to help, help the proceeds of, of the podcast and so forth. We, we bring value back to you. So know that when you sign up, you really get some great things. And, um, and this month, all the proceeds are going to support Embrace Celebration, which is dedicated to helping furloughed and unemployment unemployed folks that have uh, that are working here in the shadows of Walt Disney World that um, these are and th this isn't just simply homeless 
individuals who have moved in, although there are some of those, but these are working people who are struggling to make ends meet for their families. And so, and so check out um, our Patreon page, The Wayfinder Society. I really assure you, you are going to find value out of joining this. So, so take a look at it. Um, and I also want to just, while I'm here, mention my thanks to some of the first who signed up, people like Manny, um, Hudson, uh, Rick, uh, I, Hudson Brian. Um, just thank you for being part of the Wayfinder Society and I invite all of you to, to join and be a part as well. Well, let's... Uh, Let's go on to our topic today. It's an unusual topic. And as we go through, I wanted to go with the Disney Global Parks first because I thought as I'm listening to this, most of you probably have not been to some of these parks. So while it may be interesting, I want you to think about what this might look like at um, Disneyland and Walt Disney World at the parks there and what are the great sleeper attractions there. Um, first of all, what is a sleeper attraction? First and foremost, it is an attraction. It's not just simply something really kind of hidden. You know, I mean, there are lots of little hidden um, Easter eggs and so forth throughout the parks. But this is actually, these are actually attractions. They're not the top attractions. This is not, uh, this is not um, Soren. This is not uh, Rise of the Resistance. Um, they are listed attractions, but they are not generally noticed or visited. It's a sleeper because if you weren't paying attention to it, you would probably walk by it and not think anything of it. It doesn't stand out like Space Mountain or Big Thunder Mountain in the distance. It's not widely known like Pirates of the Caribbean or Haunted Mansion. It's usually a more modestly budgeted experience, but it is still an attraction, and those who find it generally want to come back and experience it again. The best example I can give of a sleeper attraction, the first one where I've really learned this phrase, and I wanna, I wanna hearken it back to one of the earlier Disney books who coined the attraction, but uh, Cranium Command at Epcot, have you been on it? It's, it's no longer exists. In fact, um, Cranium Command had a little bit of notoriety in recent months because uh, some guy was trying to steal Buzzy, who is the, the lead animatronic in that show. Cranium Command was a show that was part of Wonders of Life. Now, most people came in, I mean, 99% of the people came in to Wonders of Life came in to do Body Wars. And they did Body Wars, and then they exited and headed out to you know, the next attraction on their list. So a lot of people went by Wonders of Life. There was also the Mickey and Me um, film with Martin Short. Um, and that was, um, that was um, a, a nice little show. But the Wonder, but the, but the Cranium Command show was, I think, uh, more unique and different. And I remember visiting it on my very first visit to Wonders of Life, not more than a few months after it opened and um i just laughed my way through the both the pre-show which was funny in and of itself kind of loud with uh the sergeant who was actually voiced by captain hook but then you go in and this show has people like um 
Dana Carey, uh, Kevin Nielsen, um, you know, people of Saturday Night Live. Charles Grodin was the, um, the left brain. Uh, John Lovitz was the right brain. Um, George Went, if you remember George Went from Cheers, he operated the stomach. It was it was really a very funny, very sweet, very tender ending uh, to the show. Very uplifting, positive. Most people never saw it. In fact, they actually changed the marquee at one point to make it look like a theater marquee. And I tell you, you would not have seen a marquee that stood out more than this Cranium Command thing um, trying to get people to come in its doors. And it helped a little, but... Most people went by and never saw the show, and yet it was so, so cute, so funny. And um, the hypothalamus, I thought, was just about the funniest, simplest idea. This almost like a mic stand that just went up and down. But it was, it was a funny, funny thing. At any rate, it coined, in my mind, the concept of a sleeper attraction. And I thought it would be fun to go through the parks globally uh, and and just think about what are the great sleeper attractions out there. And so we're going to do that. We're going to start with uh, Disneyland Paris. And I can't even pronounce it because it's in French. Um, but it's, uh, it's Le Vestéry de Toulouse. That's my best uh, French accent on a poor pronunciation, probably. The Mysteries of the Nautilus. It's actually based on 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Now, if you're an old Magic Kingdom fan, you are probably going back um, to the ride that used to sit in the lagoon in Fantasyland. This is not it. Although, there is a Nautilus, and it sits in a lagoon. And in fact, it sits in the lagoon in the middle of Discoveryland, which is Disneyland Paris's uh, Tomorrowland. It sits right in front of their version of Space Mountain. We got, by the way, you got to check out the post. I got lots of photos of these attractions to talk about and videos and links and so forth. So definitely check out our post for Disney at play.com. But, um, but it, it, and it, it looked like a formidable, um, 20,000 leagues under the sea, um, a submarine, but it, but there's no, uh, there's no set of subs going to and from that you can board. However, you could board this Nautilus. And you'd think boarding it, this, this is a very big, but they, due to some really clever Disney magic, you kind of turn the corner as you descend this circular stairway and you enter this realm that is stunning. This is the most amazing piece of steampunk interior design you have ever seen. You see, you see the the facilities of the, and I show a kind of a cutout of it uh, from the map of it and so forth. Um, it states it's 70, 70 meters long. Um, it's a, it's a, you see the organ that um, that was played. Um, by um, Captain Nemo, uh, you you see um, this entire world laid out and so forth, and and the the highlight you come eye to eye with the giant squid. The the portals of the the submarine open and close, and you see 
the squid trying to attack you. It's, it again, it's a walkthrough attraction. It's not a ride. In fact, almost all of the things we're going to talk about aren't even rides. They are attractions, but they're not rides. And most people pass by, they see the submarine, but they don't realize that you can actually go into the submarine, or so you think. Uh, again, a little Disney magic on that one, but it, it you do enter this world. Um, it actually is, the concept is actually based on an original Disneyland attraction, which was a walkthrough of the original props and setting of the original Nautilus um, set that was created for the 1959 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea film. And so, um, and there is a ride at Tokyo Disney that's very cool, um, but it's, it's, you don't really go on a Nautilus, you go on some mini subs of the Nautilus. But this attraction is truly a sleeper attraction that you can walk by and you miss and you might not ever see it. So that's our first one. The second one, we're going to go to Hong Kong Disneyland. And this is an attraction you probably have never heard of. It's called Fairy Tale Forest. Take Disneyland Storybook Land Canal Boat Ride or the Casey Jr. Train View and then add a hedge maze and then add the Emporium windows <laughs> that you that with all the little scenes in them and you get kind of what we're talking about here with fairy tale forest when i first saw this attraction i thought oh they went on the cheap and decided not to invest in a boat or a train or something to some ride vehicle to take you through all this but in some ways while it may have been a cost-saving measure what they did is they made this into a social media um, uh, kingdom of, of of opportunities to take photos and to see things. You what you will do is you go and you visit these tributes to Cinderella, to Beauty and the Beast, to the Little Mermaid, to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and to Tangled. I think I've covered all of them, there's five of them. And then also in the middle, which is kind of out of scale, but kind of in scale too, it's kind of, kind of weird, is in the middle of this is a Tinkerbell, optional Tinkerbell meet and greet experience. And what happens, and again, I, I show photos of this, but there are these little, um, there are these little iconic uh, recreations like the tower um, from Tangled, or the castle from Cinderella. They're often set in front of these, like these, these ornate um, metal or plaster or uh, painted frames that you can actually take a photo and kind of frame out the image. It's very clever how they've kind of designed it. And then they have other elements. They're almost, every one of these five have these little dioramas, again, similar to the windows on Main Street that kind of unfold. And at, for instance, in front of the Little Mermaid, you have this little grotto with this fountain and then all of a sudden the, the, the waters um, disappear and you see the kingdom, you, you see King Triton's kingdom um, behind it. Um, and then there are other elements or mosaic, um, mosaics and 
and um, little little Easter eggs kind of as you go through it. Dopey comes out in this little miniature train, mine train out of uh, out of the uh, the mine where the seven dwarfs are working. It's just it's 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 a lot of little details. Um, it's it if, honestly if you walk through it. You could do it in less than five minutes. You just kind of go through it. It's like the Sleeping Beauty walkthrough and um, at Disneyland, kind of a, kind of a walkthrough kind of thing. Only here, it's it's again five different stories. But but if you if but if you're Instagramming, I mean, I'm, you could literally spend over an hour in this thing doing Instagram photos and putting things up on on Twitter and Facebook because it it's a and. And uh, the Asian audience is far more savvy and brilliant on all things social media. They love this kind of element. And so they have really added that piece uh, to, uh, to it. And, it and, and you see a lot of little princesses who dressed up at Bippity Boppity Boutique. And they're getting their photos in these little scenarios. It's a very, very clever and very different little tiny attraction again it's kind of on the edge between Fantasyland and where toy story land is and you'll almost you'll you could easily miss it because the hedges are in front there's a sign and a gateway but you can almost miss it because it it just you're just heading to one from one big attraction to another so again very very cool so that's our choice as for a sleeper attraction at Hong Kong Disneyland. Moving to Shanghai Disneyland, um, the the sleeper attraction in this park is actually in the center of the park, and it is the most iconic part of the park. Here you have um, the Enchanted Storybook Castle which is the centerpiece like every other magic kingdom park the castle is the centerpiece now in this park and i have a link that does castle comparisons um, but this castle is not dedicated to cinderella or sleeping beauty this castle is dedicated to all of the princesses um, similar to what hong kong recently did when they kind of recreated their sleeping beauty castle to being a uh, a castle dedicated to all of the princesses but inside this castle which has many elements it has a bippity boppity boutique it has a beautiful story it has an elegant um restaurant but there is an and murals and and an attraction there's a there's a boat ride that goes through the through the grotto underneath the castle there's all these elements of the castle but on top is a walkthrough experience similar to Sleeping Beauty, but it's more involved. It's more technology, more interactive based, and it's all based on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. This film actually premiered in 1937 to Chinese audiences in Asia, but shortly thereafter, markets were cut off and Disney did not... Uh, premiere did not show another animated film for decades. It wasn't until just recently that Disney has been able to start showing its films again to Chinese audiences. So 
Snow White really kind of stands out. And what happens is you, there is this ornate foyer, big high foyer that you go into as you go through the bottom floor of the castle. Anybody could pass through. But when you get in the queue, you go up this staircase that has all of these different um, uh, 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 relief style um, sculptures of the princesses, starting from the most recent, I want to say Anna and Elsa, um, and they ascend through all the different ones, uh, Pocahontas, Belle, Cinderella, until you get to the last uh, step at the top where you see Snow White. And there uh, you go in through this interactive storytelling experience. And I, I've captured not only some images, but some video snippets from it. Uh, for you to see. And then at the end of the experience, you actually step outside to an upper tier of the Storybook Castle, which you you don't get to go up and outside of a castle very often, but you actually can do that and take some photos up there. There's a little courtyard up there. It's, there's a whole world up there at the top of this castle. This is a very cool thing. Most people have no idea it's up there. You know, most people have no idea what's involved with it. Again, it's not a ride, but it is a very cool, just little experience up there um, at the very top. Now, from here, we're going to go to Tokyo Disney Land, and then we're going to cover Tokyo Disney Sea. And yes, because it's Tokyo and because I get to run this podcast, I'm going to choose two sleeper attractions from each of those two lands. What makes it unique is that the two I choose from Tokyo Disneyland are very familiar attractions to you. You might even say, are these really sleeper attractions? And the two I choose from Tokyo Disney Sea, you probably have not heard of, unless you uh, listen quite a bit to my podcast. Um, but let me talk about the first of these two, which is the Country Bear Theater, which is Tokyo Disney's version of the Country Bear Jamboree. Now, um, this attraction is housed in a building that looks a lot like the one at the Magic Kingdom. It sits in a fairly prominent space in Frontierland, like the one at um, at Tokyo, or like the one at the Magic Kingdom. Yet, you've got to understand that Tokyo Disney has taken the best of the best of the best from both Disneyland and Walt Disney World and put it into that um, park. And so not only are you in vying for the attention of, you know, amid classics like Splash Mountain, Star Tours, It's a Small World, Pirates of the Caribbean and more, but you also have unique attractions that are hugely popular at Tokyo Disney. Pooh's Honey Pots, Monsters Incorporated, Ride and Go Seek, as well as the brand new Enchanted Tale of Beauty and the Beast. So you have all of these amazing attractions vying for your attention. So people go buy it. The Japanese go buy this theatrical attention, not really, um, not really noticing it quite the way like American audiences do here. Uh, we show you um, the show. And, um, and we have a link to um, our review of the theater itself, which is completely decked out with all of these um, details about the bears and so forth, which again, adds to 
what makes it unique. The other thing that I want to mention is the sleeper attraction at Tokyo Disneyland is Tom Sawyer Island, another attraction in Frontierland. But here's, here's what makes this kind of unique. The way they had to design Frontierland, the rivers of America, or the rivers of the West, I can't remember what they call it there, you see the, the, the dock for what is their version of um, the riverboat, um, which looks a lot like the Liberty Bell here, but all, in fact, it's even the, even the dock does and the, the entry. But you don't see the river. You don't kind of walk along the river quite the same way that you walk along it at, at Walt Disney World or at Disneyland. Um, therefore, you can easily miss the rafts because the rafts are kind of hidden kind of behind <clears throat> Big Thunder Mountain. And in fact, there's a really great restaurant back there that's themed to Huey, Dewey, and Louie and Scrooge McDuck. And it's kind of in this camp, um, scouting camp theme, that Camp Woodchuck, I think is what it's called. And and it's it too is a sleeper of its own, but I am talking about attractions, not restaurants and, and retail today. But that's a sleeper in and of itself. And so... What makes this a sleeper attraction is, too, the location for getting on the rafts is so out of the way that you can easily, I mean, I would say 98% of the guests never walk by the raft, um, the rafts, um, because they it's just out of the way. The second thing is that when you take that raft and you go to the island, you are in this world that is so familiar to us. I mean, it's the land of Tom and Huck and, and Hannibal, Missouri, you know, that, that, that land of the Mississippi and so forth. It's, it's such a familiar icon to us here in the United States. But you have to remember, you are sitting in, in the land of the rising sun. You are sitting in Japan. You have gone past rice fields from your airport to get to, to this attraction, which sits on Tokyo Bay. It is such a, in the middle of the, one of the biggest and busiest cities in the entire world. So when you get to this, to forests that don't look anything like Japan, but look exactly like America, you are just taken to this, this oasis in the middle of, of Japan. It just is the most surreal moment of all. And that's why I put it on the sleeper attraction. It's just like, wow, I can't believe I feel like I am along the, the banks of the Mississippi when in truth I am here in, uh, in, in Tokyo. It's just a very surreal thing. Um, I actually have a link that compares all of our Tom Sawyer Islands and it talks more in detail about what's on that island. We have a great podcast we did not too long ago on that. Go check that out. But, um, but I thought for these attractions, for, for a park that has amazing numbers of, of fantastically done attractions, these two are kind of the sleepers, even though we wouldn't consider them to be sleeper attractions, perhaps. Maybe. 
maybe Tom Sawyer, because a lot of people never never do go to Tom Sawyer Island at Disneyland or Walt Disney World. They they miss it, and they you know I mean probably only five percent ever actually go on the island at some point. So so in some ways it is it is a sleeper attraction at Disney, but I I think there are some other great sleeper attractions too. Be thinking about those because we want to hear from you. Um, let me. Let me now head toward Tokyo Disney Sea. I had to do two here. Um, I just had to. The first are the Venetian gondolas. So I have said on many occasions that Tokyo Disney does Disney better than Disney. In truth, Tokyo Disney in the Mediterranean Harbor does Venice probably better than Venice. Um, when you step inside, and this is a, the, the, the landing zone, uh, the boarding and landing zone for the gondolas, is kind of this little tucked away harbor. In truth, all, uh, not all, but many of the rooms of the Miracosta Hotel, which overlooks uh, Tokyo Disney Sea, uh, overlook this little harbor and it is exquisite in Italian details and themes. It is just gorgeous. Most people may see the gondolas as they walk through, but most people don't even know where you go to board the gondolas. And most people don't really process because there are so many, I mean, you are on your way to their Midway Mania, which is uh, from the exterior, just over the top. You're on your way to um, to Tower of Terror, which is really over the top. You, you're seeing attractions like um, Journey uh, to the Center of the Earth and, and Indiana Jones Adventure, which is almost a throwaway, even though it's like the grandest, one of the grandest event, uh, attractions at Disneyland. You, 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 Soren, which is above and beyond any other Soren you see any in any other Disney theme park. It, there are so many things to see that people go by the gondolas and they don't even think about it. I actually recommend it as the very first thing you ought to ride because it's a it, they don't board a lot of people into these gondolas, and uh, but it is an experience unlike any other. I have video of the experience, you have to definitely check it out to hear the Japanese cast members sing Italian arias is amazing. Again, you're just like, are we not? If, if it wasn't for the fact that it was a Jap, if, if you, if it wasn't for the fact that it was a Japanese cast member doing this, you would have thought you were in Venice, except for the fact that it's probably cleaner and better detailed and better created than Venice itself, which, you know, and, and certainly not flooded over like Venice can be from time to time. So, so I had to say, this is a sleeper attraction you must do, even though there are so many attractions vying for your attention, That which means, honestly, you've got to go to Tokyo Disney Sea at least twice when you go visit it, one day just to get on this attraction. Um, first thing in the morning, the other to go to do Soren first thing in the morning because they, that line is so crazy, crazy. The second one is probably not a surprise if you listen to my podcast. Um, but as I prepared this, I thought I will, 
I my heart will hurt if I do not if I do not name this as one of the great sleeper attractions. There is no queue, even though it can handle thousands of people an hour. There is very little queue for this attraction. Um, it sits in the exact opposite corner from where the gondolas are in the park. And that makes it in an opposite corner from the entrance as well of the park. And it's, it's Sinbad's storybook voyage. And what makes this an interesting thing is that this, this attraction, it sits in the, um, on the Arabian coast, but the Arabian coast has two halves. You will step into one section of the Arabian coast and think this is it. When in reality, there's a second section as well. And the second section has the magic flying carpets, which kind of draws your attention. So you might not notice a fairly simple sign, all things considered, for Sinbad. And yet you go in this building and this show building is enormous. Size of it's a small world. And this whole thing unfolds, the story of Sinbad, which, you know, these these animatronics are largely kind of like the size of the small world dolls, only I would say about probably 40%, 30 to 40% larger. So they're small. They're not full-size human, but they're small. But on the opposite end of that is three of the largest animatronics that have ever been created. You have this huge bird hawk kind of thing. I can't remember the name of it. You have a giant giant and you have a large whale that shows up so you have all these huge you have these three huge animatronics that show up in this thing but none of those things and the color and the details and all of that are wonderful they're they make the attraction great in and of itself but the thing that makes this attraction just deep in my heart is this song called um, Compass of Your Heart, written by Alan Menken. Alan Men yeah, the same Alan Menken who did Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and so many, many songs that we love in the Disney canon. And you probably have never even heard this song. And it is just this beautiful piece of music. Um, I'm going to end my podcast with playing just a portion from a, a symphony version that was done uh, for this attraction. But let me tell you, this, this song speaks to my heart. I have two podcasts, one at Disney at Work and Disney at Play. The links are in the show notes um, or on the post for this site. There's so much to understand. And this, and this attraction, again, is a sleeper attraction because it's so amazing and yet so few know about it. Um, I mean, obviously, few know about it who have never been to Tokyo Disney, but even those who go to Tokyo Disney don't know about it. I think it will gain a little bigger notoriety, although more competition, because Tokyo Disney um, C is opening up a massive addition called um, Fantasy Springs. And in it, they are going to have three themed worlds, not one, not two, but three themed worlds based on uh, based on Frozen, so uh, a big attraction based on Arendelle. Um, in fact, actually, I want to say, 
yeah, a big attraction based on Arendelle. There are going to be, there is a themed experience based and attraction based on Tangled. And then finally one based on Neverland and Peter Pan. My guess is that they are going to create a Peter Pan's flight that that will replace the one in, they have one in Fantasyland that's exactly, almost exactly, except better done, than uh, better kept up than the one in Magic Kingdom. I think they're going to just take that to another m major level of detail and experience, um, is what I'm guessing. But, but the entrance to this Fantasy Springs will be right near where uh, um, Sinbad's storybook voyage will be. So, so, um, so I, perhaps the attendance will, will go up, although everybody will be in this beeline to head out to those three, those three lands and sets of attractions. So who knows what that comes. But in the meantime, know that this is a great sleeper attraction. So those are the sleeper attractions and the Disney Global Theme Parks. I invite you to go to our posts and not only check out the links in video, but tell us what do you think are the great sleeper attractions at Disneyland and Walt Disney World for each of the theme parks, Disney's Hollywood Studios, Animal Kingdom, Epcot. There are some good sleeper attractions at Epcot and Magic Kingdom, as well as Disneyland and Disney California Adventure. We'd love to hear from you. So share what you think are the best sleeper attractions there. We'll do another podcast uh, in the days to come that will focus on those um, parks. In the meantime, thank you for joining us. I promised you that we would end with a, a, a little musical note as we finish out this. But know that in every podcast, my final wishes do come from Sinbad's Storybook Voyage. When I say to you, please, in all that you do, follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.